into the joke bank again this week before we get into the Word. <clears throat> now remember, I had a good one last week, so this one may not be quite so good, right? A little boy was overheard talking to himself as he strutted through the backyard wearing his baseball cap and carrying a, a, a ball and a bat. He said, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And then he tossed the ball in the air and he swung at it and he missed it. Strike one, he said. So he was unconcerned. He picked up the ball and he said again, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he tossed the ball in the air and when it came down, he swung again and he missed the thing again. And he said, strike two. And the boy then paused a moment. They examined the bat and looked at the ball and he spit on his hands and he rubbed them together and made sure he had a good grip and everything. And he straightened his cap and he said once more, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And then he tossed the ball up in the air and he swung at it and he missed. Strike three. Wow, he shouted. I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> I know I laugh at them hard, but... Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bibles today, or your devices... We're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 22. I do have it on the screen for us as well. We're going to talk about what are you holding. Continuing in our series on the impact of a choice, what are you holding? Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. And I ask now, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to us. Through your word today, I pray, Lord, that you will open our ears and our hearts to hear what you want to say to us. And God, we will not only hear, but we will apply these things to our lives. We will apply your word to our lives. Speak through your servant, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 17 says, Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. He was pretty good, eh? Kept all those things. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So today, my prayer is that you won't go away from here sorrowful, but that you will go away challenged and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see in this story, we see this story in three of the four Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And there's a bit more detail in each of the other Gospels than what Mark gives us. For example, in Matthew, we're told that this was a young man. He was somewhere in the age of a young adult beginning the prime of life. 
And in Luke, we're also told that he was a ruler among his people. Luke calls him a certain ruler. And that word is used for ruler doesn't necessarily mean that he's an official political ruler or religious leader, but simply that he was significant and noteworthy, a noteworthy person in the community. He was a person of respect and importance. In fact, he was called a certain ruler, which may suggest that he was a man well-known in his time. And so as we read through the story of Mark, we see that he was a man who had great possessions, which could mean he had lots of land and property, material things, or, or money. So according to the description of this man, he was quite a person. He was a fairly young man, but he had achieved a high level of, su of success in the world's eyes. And he was very wealthy and prosperous, maybe because he'd been very wise and a careful businessman. And had risen to a very high place in social economic standing in the community. And while doing all this, he was still a very young man. He was truly a success story in the world's eyes. He's what people in our modern materialistic culture would admire. But also... Let's look at what we know of his personal character from what we see in this story. He was a man who, when asked, was able to say to Jesus that he'd been faithful to observe the law of God given through Moses. And when Jesus lift, listed off the commandments, he was able to say that he'd kept them from the time of his youth. Now, how many of us could say the same thing? Oh, yeah, no worries. I kept all them commandments ever since I was a boy, ever since I was a little girl. No worries about that, Jesus. It's all good. But when he responded that way, Jesus didn't challenge the claim. He never said that he knew different or that it wasn't right. And he didn't, he didn't challenge it at all. So he must have been a truly outstanding man morally. And his great wealth and high standing were apparently not gained through crookedness or cheating anyone, but in a context of outward righteousness and conformity to God's standards. He was a righteous and God-fearing wealthy man physically. And he was also sincere and had some sort of conviction before the Lord. You know, it's pretty incredible that a man of such character and standing in his community would seek Jesus out so diligently and come running to him and falling on his knees before him and humbly pleading to the Lord for something that was missing. After all, he had great possessions. What more did he need? There were many people who sought after Jesus in that day and confronted him in his travels but not in the extremely humble way that this man did. He even spoke very reverently and respectfully to Jesus, calling him teacher, even good teacher. He clearly believed that Jesus was more than just a simple human teacher because he believed that Jesus knew the answer to his question of how to obtain eternal life. And coming to Jesus as he did, we see how Jesus responded to him. And first we see Jesus showed him compassion. Mark tells us in, in his writing 
He tells us something that none of the other gospel writers tell us. He tells us that Jesus loved him. The scripture says, Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him. Looking at him, he loved him. He had compassion on him. Now we know that Jesus loved many people. We're told that he loved his apostles. We're told that he loved his dear friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But here we see very specifically that Jesus loved this man. He came to Jesus with a sincere heart. His desire to know the answer to his question was real. And it was a legit question. And Jesus loved this man. He had compassion in his heart toward him. And what an honor to be viewed in such a way by Jesus. When a man like this comes falling before him and asking what he must do to inherit eternal life, you and I might think, as the disciples might have thought, well, if anyone could achieve the right to have eternal life, guaranteed it would be someone like this. And yet at the end of this encounter, this man walked away sad. He walked away sorrowful. Jesus had told him that no matter what he, he may have done, regardless of all the outstanding characteristics and accomplishments in his life, he still had one thing lacking. Had a compassion for this young ruler, this young man that came and knelt at his feet, he offered him an option. He gave him a choice. He didn't ask anything of him that Jesus didn't do himself. You know, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. But this young man had a choice to make. He had to choose between his things, his possessions, and God. He had to make a choice between eternal life and material things. And sadly, he chose his possessions over eternal life. He was very upset. He was very discouraged and very depressed with the answer that Jesus gave him when he asked what it was he had to do to receive eternal life. Because what Jesus said, it wasn't just a suggestion. It was a command. He not only had compassion for him, but he gave him a command. He said, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. So Jesus gave him a choice to make. And the choice was to sell all these things, give it away, take up the cross, and follow him. That was the choice that was laid before this young man. And you know, I think we can look at this in a very practical way in our lives as well. And we can apply this story to our lives today. Because if we look at this from the natural realm and we look at it from the possessions or financial aspects of life and all that we've occurred over the years we can get attached to our things as well. And we can get attached to making money, to establishing businesses, making it our priority. And don't get me wrong, 
It's not wrong to establish and build businesses or to make money or have money. That's not wrong. Because we live in an economic world. And it takes money for things to function. And somebody's got to produce it. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.18 that you shall remember the Lord your God for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. So our duty is not to forget where the ability comes from to get wealth. You see, in order for God's blessing to be on our wealth and our finances, our possessions, He has to come first. It's not looking after our needs, our desires and wants, and then giving God the leftovers. Because that's not how God works. Because you see, it takes faith to do these things. And when you don't have enough to go around and things are tight, a choice has to be made. And the choice is whether or not we'll put God first in our resources. Will we choose to tithe when things are tight? Will we choose to give offerings above the tithe when it looks like I don't have enough to meet my need? The widow in the two mites, she did that. She did that with the two mites that she had. She gave all that she had. And the Lord said that she gave more than the others because they gave from their abundance. But she gave from her need. She gave from what she had. And that was it. And she gave it all. You see, it takes faith to trust God and give Him control. It takes faith to lay everything on the altar and allow God to do what only God can do. The Word says to remember Him because it is He who gives us the ability to have it in the first place. And we'll never do wrong by giving to the Lord first. And we won't do without when He's placed first in it. And this young ruler never had that figured out. He had a lot of great qualities, a lot of great character traits that were beneficial in his life, but he was lacking one thing. He put his things, his desire to have possessions ahead of God and ahead of receiving eternal life. And I'm not saying that if you have things that you need to give them away and have nothing to inherit eternal life. That's not what Jesus is saying in this story. The Scripture says in Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. But the rich young ruler wasn't like that. Jesus said, You know all these commandments. This is what you have to do in order to inherit eternal life. And he said, Well, I've done those things already. I think there was actually maybe a bit of pride there. He didn't see the point or the error in his way of living. And so he thought, I'm okay like I am because I've always done that. I've always loved my neighbor. I've never stolen anything. I've always honored my parents. I've always done all these things, these commandments. But see, according to what Jesus said to the young ruler, there's more to inheriting eternal life than just saying, I've always done this. It requires more than just good works. Because good works will not bring us into eternal life. 
It's only through Jesus, God's Son, that we will inherit and receive eternal life. It's only through accepting Him into our lives and living our lives for Him, making Him Lord of our lives, will we inherit eternal life. And it requires a choice to take up our cross and follow Him. And we see different examples of this in Scripture where Jesus instructed people to take up the cross and follow Him. In Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for My sake will find it. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow Me. Take up His cross daily and follow Me. You see, it's not just Sunday that we live for Jesus. It's every day of the week. It's everywhere we go and with everyone we speak to. Being a witness for Jesus in how we live, how we display ourselves before others, denying the flesh and living by the Spirit. But it's a choice that we all have to make. Each and every one of us have to make that choice. It's a personal decision for each one of us. And wherever you are today, whether you're here in this building or you're watching this online, you can receive this gift of salvation if you have it already and prepare for eternal life with Him. He desires that we make that choice of placing Him first in our lives above all other things, and giving our lives to Him. Holiness is what He wants from us. Faithfulness and righteousness is what He wants from us. Jesus says to this young man, go sell your things, give it to the poor, take up your cross and follow Me. It's quite a challenge that He laid before him. And it's quite a task for this young ruler. This young man had a lot going for him. He was young, probably a pretty smart looking young lad. He had lots of wealth. He had lots of possessions. Life is going pretty good. But yet, obviously, there was something missing that was not filling the void in his life. A void that possessions couldn't fill. That wealth couldn't fill that his doings couldn't fill because he came to Jesus and said, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He knew that there was something missing. There was change required. But in order for change to happen, there had to be submission. Jesus showed him compassion. He commanded him in what to do. And now this young man had to submit to the Lord. There had to be a choice made to give up worldly possessions, ambitions, and desires of the flesh. There had to be a choice made to take up the cross and follow Jesus. And maybe today you're at that same place. There's a choice before you where you, you have to choose to lay it down, to turn away, whatever that looks like for you. 
And depending on what you choose to do will determine the effect it will have on your life. Not only at this moment, but in the days and weeks and months and years ahead. You may be like the rich young ruler who've lived your life how you want it. Maybe you've done as he did and obeyed the commandments. You've given to the poor. You've honored your mom and dad. You've lived a life of integrity. You've, you've not been covetous. But as it was this young man, it is for you. As it was for him, it is for you. Maybe there's an idol that you're holding on to. And God is saying that you have to let that go. You need to lay that down. You need to get rid of that thing. It's not going to help you inherit eternal life. You see, the young ruler didn't see himself as a condemned sinner before God. He had a superficial view of the law of God because he measured obedience only by external actions and not by inward attitudes. And as far as his actions were concerned, he was blameless. But his inward attitudes were not blameless because he was covetous. He may have kept some of the commandments, but the last one got him. Because it says, thou shalt not covet. Covetousness is a terrible sin. It's so delicate and difficult to detect, and yet can cause a person to break all the other commandments. And looking at this young man, you would think that he had everything, but Jesus said that one thing was lacking. A living faith in God. Money was his God. He trusted it. He worshipped it. And got his fulfillment from it. His morality and good manners only concealed the covetous heart that he had. You see, sin is rebellion against the holy God. It's not just an action, it's an inward attitude that exalts man and defies God. One of those commands is to not have any other gods before you. And he wanted to get salvation on his terms. And because it wasn't on his terms, he was disappointed and he went away sorrowful. You know what a tragedy that was. What a loss. When we hold on to idols, it will lead to sorrow. We'll walk away sorrowful, discouraged, and depressed every time because we'd rather hang on to the idol than pick up our cross and follow Jesus. You see, we get mixed up and we miss the blessing that God wants to pour out upon our lives. And we set our focus on things rather than eternity. And like the rich young ruler, he missed so much blessing. So much more in his life by turning away from what Jesus instructed him to do. He missed the blessing that God had for him in his life by not submitting his flesh. By not surrendering his will to God's will. By not doing as he was instructed to do by Jesus. And he missed the greatest blessing ever in his life. Because he was selfish, he thought about nobody, only himself and his things. He didn't care to think about anything else. 
He didn't care about the impact that it might have down the road or what that might look like, but he chose to walk away and be sad. And he put his faith in his things and his possessions, in his money and his wealth and all that he had instead of putting faith in Jesus and following after him. And because he did so, he went away sorrowful. He was lost. What a sad ending to a beautiful opportunity that Jesus had given him. The impact of a choice will always have a reward or a consequence. And it's up to us what that will look like by the choice we make. And so today, will we choose to miss what God has for us? Or will we surrender to Him and give ourselves completely to His will and purposes? Receiving and inheriting the blessings and eternal life that He's made available to us. Because the choice is ours. And when we look at this story today and we look at the application of applying this to our lives, what can we take from this? And I believe the Lord would have us see the importance of surrendering to Jesus, of being submitted to Him. Surrendering to Jesus is not doing what we want, doing what we think, and walking out our lives how we please. Surrendering to Him is placing Him first in all things of our lives. He comes first in our spiritual walk. He comes first in our physical journey. He comes first in our financial affairs. He comes first in every aspect of our lives. And when we put Him first and pick up our cross and follow Him, giving our lives to Him, it's then we inherit eternal life. We inherit the greatest blessing. We receive Him into our hearts and into our lives. You know, even though this man had so much in his favor, of all the people who ever came to the feet of Jesus, he's the only one who went away worse than he came. And that don't have to be our story. That don't have to be your story. He had a very shallow view of salvation because he thought he could do something to earn eternal life. But as I said earlier, eternal life cannot be earned. It's not a reward for doing good. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for our sins in receiving that gift of salvation into our hearts will we enter into the joy and presence of the Lord in eternity. Jesus assured His disciples that no one who follows Him will ever lose what is really important. Even in this life or in the life to come, God will reward each one. However, we have to be sure our motives are right. It's been said that if you give because it pays, it won't pay. If you sacrifice only to get a reward, that reward will never come. So will you receive the compassion of the Father that He has toward you today? Will you surrender to His will for your life and lay those idols on the altar 
And allow God to be all that you need today. All that you need spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, and relationally. Will you take up your cross and follow Him daily? The choice is yours to make. It's mine to make. What will you choose? Don't go away sad and sorrowful. Receive His gift of compassion. Obey His instruction. Surrender your life, that idol, your will to Him. And allow Him to be your God. Amen? Amen. I'm going to get the team to come. This morning, if you need prayer, you'd like to come and we'd love to pray with you. Someone can pray with you, pray for you today. If you're here, if you're joining us online, you'd like prayer, please visit our website and send us a prayer request so that we can believe with you and pray for you. But I want to encourage you today as we sing this last song together, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord what He wants to say to you from this message. What it is that He would have you take from this message. Because it's a personal journey. It's a personal walk. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you to do that today as we prepare to end but if you need prayer come so we can pray with you today maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior maybe you've never let, never given your life to Him you can do that today you can call out to Him you can invite Him to come into your heart to forgive you of your sin to be Lord of your life today Maybe today you have, you know of an idol in your life. Maybe God has brought that to your attention already and you know that it's something that you ought to surrender or lay down. I want to encourage you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit in your life. Because He wants to bring joy to our lives. He wants us to live a joyous life, a life of fulfillment with Him. And He will do that when we surrender our will to His will. When we don't try to hang on to these things, material things, worldly things, that would keep us away from Him, like this young ruler tried to do. And we can walk in freedom, we can walk in the joy of the Lord every day of our lives because that's His heart for us. So I want to encourage you today, if you're aware of that, to lay that on the altar today, to give it to the Lord. And today, if you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you to call out to Him. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life today. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross 
that you were buried, that you rose again on the third day, and you have given me life and life more abundantly through the blood that was shed that day. Be Lord of my life today. Lead me in your ways. Guide me in the destiny and purpose that you have placed me on this earth for. And be glorified in my life. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, because you care about every detail of our lives today. Father, we don't have to put our hope and our trust and dependence in things of this world because we know our faith can be put in you today. And we know, Lord, that you are the solid foundation, that you are the rock on which we can build our lives, that you never change, that you are unshakable. And God, we know the enemy will come to steal, kill, and destroy. And God, I pray today, Lord, that if there's idols in our lives, that you will reveal that to us. If there's things that keep us from picking up our cross daily and following after you, God, I pray that you would show us that. That you would reveal that to us. And God, we will have the courage and the boldness to lay that at your feet. To trust you, Lord. To look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, to carry us through. God, I pray your blessing today, your goodness and your mercy will go with us. Lord, I pray for that one that's on the fence today, that's thinking, that's wondering what to do, where to go, who to look to. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would encamp around them right now. God, that you would reach down your nail-scarred hand, that they would sense your presence wherever they are. God, that you would lift them out of that place of despair. You will lift them out of that place of discouragement today. And God, that you would place them high and lift it up before you. God, that you would carry them. That you would lead them and direct them in your ways. God, I pray that they will surrender their lives to you today. God, have your way. I pray, Father, that we will pick up our cross daily and follow after you. Walk in your ways. What you desire and have for us. And God, thank you for life. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for that hope today that we have of one day living with you in eternity forever and ever. Whether it's by the grave or by the rapture, God. Thank you that our future is bright in you. Be glorified, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the message today. We trust you will have a fantastic week. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.